In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> we could say, I think, that the theme of the readings that we've just heard is choose. Firstly, the people of Israel. Coming close to their destination after 40 years of wandering here and there in the deserts, Choose, says Moses, or says God through Moses, what you're going to do. Are you going to stick with the God who's been with you in the desert? Although you haven't always stuck with him there either. Or are you going to be like the people that you're taking over from in this land you're about to conquer? It might seem natural to go the way of the land where you go. If in Rome, do as Rome does. If in Canaan, do what the Canaanites do. Seems logical, wouldn't it? One choice, or you can opt to stay with the God who has been faithful to you and serve him in this land that he has given you, or will give you in this case. Now traditionally, the wandering in the wilderness and the moving to the promised land has also been seen as a, as a parallel, at least, to the Christian life. We spend so long in life, and then we cross over What? Death? No. To new life. To life somewhere else. Are we going to stick with our God at that moment? Or are we going to relapse into fear? Or simply not knowing? Uppermost in our minds, I'm sure, at this time, is the example of someone who is not afraid of death. Let that be an example to us. Yes, while she was here, she worked on, doing important work a couple of days before her death, at the age of 96. but I'm sure she was not afraid of what, what she knew was going to happen to her sooner or later. I don't think God minds whether you take notice of her example of the words of Scripture or both. But recognise the faithfulness of God to you in life Put aside any fear you may have of death or anything else that may be not likely to happen to you. Don't be afraid. Be faithful unto death. Be confident from there in God's eternal care.
to choose life or death in the way that the people of Israel chose or were going to have to cho choose between those two things. So that's an example from the Old Testament. Next we come to a good story from the New Testament from Philemon. Paul's letter to Philemon. Don't worry about the pronunciation, by the way. It can be panicky, I know that. <laughs> I was looking at the Greek, and it, I mean, Philemon is the, the, English, the English version. Uh, looking at the Greek, depends which, which um, whether you're talking about a nominative or accusative, <laughs> whether it's Philemon, Philemonos, or whatever. Um, don't worry about it. <laughs> anyway, this man was a rich slave owner who met Paul and become a Christian. And obviously owed him an awful lot. And one of his slaves, Onesimus, had run away. And we know about people running away now, but we're not quite aware of the consequences that might have been in the Roman Empire. The slave who ran away, lucky to survive at all, was certainly well punished. Anyway, he'd run away and he'd also met Paul while he was in prison. Paul was in prison, that is, not Onesimus. And he'd become a Christian too. And of course the assumption was, well any good citizen will return a slave he finds him to his master. And Paul had found Onesimus very helpful to him while he was in prison and wouldn't have wanted certainly to go back to slavery. On the other hand, Philemon couldn't easily ignore an escape if he was going to keep other slaves and if he was going to keep his standing in society. What sort of upheaval would that have caused? We can speculate on that, but we don't actually know. But we do know that it wouldn't have been favourably received. So rather than selling him what he has to do, Paul writes pleading. Admittedly in a way that would be difficult to refuse, asking Philemon to take Onesimus back as a fellow Christian. Even worse, surely, than ignoring the fact that he'd gone. There's a choice for Philemon. Between the right thing to do before God and what all society would have told him he had to do. To bring the slave back into line. And that reminds me of choices that our Queen has had to make. Some of you, possibly rather a lot actually, remember the days when coins were stamped with the with Ind Imp. Remember that? Emperor of India. 
think it was a little bit after she stopped being in Emperor of India that they were still in circulation. But our Queen had a choice. So what she was going to try and do? Was she going to maintain the empire? Surely all Englishmen wanted. Or was she going to organise, allow, encourage the transition from empire to commonwealth? Was she going to begin to recognise what we can now see as some of the wrongs of empire? And give a proper dignity to all those who are within it. Was her rule going to be over first class and second class citizens, depending where they lived? Or over all? All of equal dignity and equal worth. It's a rather grander scale, actually, than the choice that Philemon had. But a choice nonetheless. Doing what is right before God and what seems okay before human beings. Hanging on to your own power or acknowledging that we have no power except from God. Quite an example. The choice is ours too. So often. Should we do what everybody else does? Fit in well? Or do we stick to what is right? What is godly? And so to Jesus' story about a king going to war. The king wise enough to judge whether that war can possibly be won. Or the rich landowner, who thought he was richer than he was, started building a tower which he couldn't afford to finish. Count the cost, says Jesus. Don't go into life starry-eyed, believing that all has to be well for you, necessarily. He goes further than that, really. You can't be my disciples unless you give up all your possessions. Well, there's no way I can stand here and say that Queen Elizabeth gave up all her possessions, is there? <clears throat> but I think the whole way in which it's phrased is such that not many stand in chance of doing so. All credit to those who've gone into monastic, monastic orders and such like, who really have given up all. And don't, don't worry, I'm not going to encourage... While I want to encourage you to give, yes, uh, well, we don't hand round collection plates anymore, but we certainly encourage giving of all sorts of ways. I'm not going to try and insist that you empty your bank accounts before you leave. You'll be relieved to know. <laughs> but we do have a choice, don't we? Is what we possess, what we own, there just for our benefit... Or do we see it as lent to us by God? 
for the benefit, yes, of ourselves, but of others too. For our comfort, yes, but for the work of God too. If we can see ourselves as not as owners of anything, but as stewards, we shall have beginning at least to understand what Jesus meant by giving up our possessions, all of them. And I think in that context it makes sense to talk about Elizabeth again. She didn't give away all the possessions, but she did use them for the nation, for other people. She gave her time and her efforts for other people, for the things to which God called her. And she didn't have to make the calculations which her father had to make alongside Churchill in the early in the Second World War. But she was willing to put her duty, her call, before else, to serve God to the full. Well, we're not called to such grand things, I know that. Perhaps just as well. But for each of us, the call is to complete discipleship. For the whole of our lives, to be, to be given to God, because only he can give life. Only he can give wealth and prosperity of any kind. If we're to follow him, we must acknowledge that all that we have, all that we are, is his. Ultimately, there can be no half-hearted Christians. So three examples of discipleship, which I hope I've outlined the example of our Queen in following. It's now up to us to take those and follow ourselves in the steps of our Lord Jesus Christ who gave all. The three things. Be faithful and stick with God through Jesus Christ even when things go wrong. Do what is right before God, especially when it's difficult and not what society does. Let our commitment to him, to God in Jesus Christ, be complete. Not because we have worked hard at completing it, but because we have allowed God's Holy Spirit to direct and control our lives. We can do those three things. We can look forward to that moment when the words of Jesus in Scripture, words that we believe are now being spoken to our late Queen, become words spoken to us too. Come, you that are blessed by my Father, 
inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world.